The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and greetings and salutations and welcome once again to IGN's resident PlayStation show. I'm your host, Max Scoville, and I'm joined once again by Jada Griffin. The evilest gal in the game. Love it. Brian Altano. Hey, what's up, everybody? And Akeem Lawanson. Hey, everybody. Hey, what's, what's going on, strangers? How y'all doing? Stranger. Uh, so <laughs> we're probably going to be talking about Resident Evil some more, as we're prone to here. We're all very excited about it. There's been some new stuff that dropped, namely Mercenaries Mode. And of course... Uh, hot hot ticket item pay to win dlc microtransactions but we like mercenaries mode better uh we're gonna get into a little bit of that uh jd you played a bunch of meet your maker Mm -hmm. Uh, but first there's some nice juicy weird stuff to talk about regarding things that sony has been patenting i love this stuff so much i love it when patents get filed because it is just it, it it might never happen you know, it's a bunch of very smart people and important smart scientists in rooms somewhere filled out a bunch of paperwork to say that they had a great idea for something. I just want to know what the pitch was for this patent. Like, okay, what was so this, <laughs> we actually have a double header here. We have two completely wacky Sony patents that I want to talk about. The first one is a controller that can not only turn hot and cold, but can also be elastically deformed. So basically it is a controller that has, uh, let's see, it would have a sensor that would detect when a player deforms the controller by pressing, twisting, rubbing, crushing, or otherwise wrangling it, it, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a bop it. Like, bop it is coming next. It's either, a bop, it's either a bop it or it's made out of like that Nickelodeon slime. Yeah, I, yeah, I was going to say, it's a bop it made of Nickelodeon gak. That's We're on the exact same page. Jenna. <laughs> I, where's our patent? We should, we should patent that. A bop <laughs> it made of Nickelodeon gak. Which, I, so I love pat- it. patents are basically like if you had an idea drunk at one o'clock in the morning, but instead of just saying it to the other people in the room, you had to call a, a law office in Delaware. It's like, like if you got you... a head injury and tried to make an instruction manual for something and also yeah. wrote a term paper that was so this also is a, what co- is, a is this like a drawing drawing of like a uh, egg-shaped catcher's so, mitt? Yeah, for those of you who are, uh, <laughs> who are just listening to the audio version, you're not missing much because this is completely imparsable uh, technical <laughs> illustrations. It looks like an... It looks like an egg with a small belt loop on it. And then a, a real, I love that also the patent illustrations frequently have really bad drawings of existing hardware. <laughs> yeah. Like this looks like, uh, well, I mean, maybe that's the, that's the shape of the controller stretched or that's the shape of like, it definitely looks elastically yeah. deformed to me. Yeah. We're looking at two figures right now. Figure three is, is just like a, it just looks like an egg. And then figure four is the actual controller. 
Um, yeah, I'm see, not sure if they're related. Like, is that the controller from the side? Figure three. Figure, I'm figure not sure one and two at. is a baby chick, and then a full-grown hen, and then figure <laughs> three is the egg, and then four is the elastic controller that hatches out of it. So I know guys, how that works. Egg. I see a shield with like a handle to hold my to hold the shield from behind. It's just upside down. That's because mm. you're a real gamer. I am a real gamer. Casual chicken fans over here. I prefer the egg thing because I like the idea of like a baby PlayStation controller hatching from it, and there's just a bunch of people sitting around, and they're like, <laughs> "It's on, one of those ones you put in the bathtub." And that it def- like the soap oh, melts yeah. around it on the <laughs> controller. I think that is maybe not quite as weird of an idea as this actually is because it gets it gets weirder. So it, it's one thing to have something that you can you know manhandle and have it uh, I guess sort of respond to that. The other thing is the <laughs> it would potentially use a combination of magnetic fluid and electric or magnetic fields to change the shape and hardness of the soft parts of this theoretical controller. So. What? In addition to you being able to twist it and bop it and crank it or whatever, it would it would also like reform. It would push back, which is just I I feel like it's just describing the the weird uh, vaguely genital looking video game things from David Cronenberg's Existence. Like it's a yeah. weird throbbing sort of thing, but also it can get hot and cold. So is this I, is it is this Venom? I feel like this this guy just wa- whoever like filed this patent just like watched the Matrix last night and it was just like oh yeah we can do this fluid in an actual real I, thing. I hope that Kojima saw this patent and immediately wrote a very long email to his entire team about what needs mm-hmm. to be happening in Death Stranding three, <laughs> which is apparent. I don't like you got to probably bend a golden baby until it turns ice cold or something. I don't know, but the controller can also change temperature. That's the other thing. So it changes temperature. It can uh, respond to being elastically deformed. It can also change. change its own shape so i don't wait it just changes its shape on its own so yeah i mean i'm sure there's got to be some kind of programming it's not like a it's not a self-aware controller that i'm aware of though it does have you know uh magnetic fluid not unlike the t1000 the temperature control thing i I gotta say like i i have a i have a problem with that i i like my i like my hands to be warm normally so Mm -hmm. i I don't i don't i don't i don't know who would what's the value in a cold controller if it's hot out who you're playing outside your PlayStation Five no, outside? I mean, Sometimes the some... heat from outside gets inside the place where you are. I don't know. <laughs> not if... everybody can afford air conditioning. Yeah. How? What, not everyone can afford a PS Five either. When I'm in my hermetically sealed <laughs> gaming pod, not any temperature touches me. I'm perfectly suspended in neutral fluid. Uh, no, like this is. I, I do like the idea of like, oh, I don't know. You get you get burned in a game, and suddenly your controller gets hotter, or you step, you fall in the water, and it just feels cold like that would be kind of cool i'm trying to think if i've ever experienced like a a piece of technology that can change temperature on that scale you know what i'm talking about like yeah like it's one thing for i mean haptics are one thing you're like we're kind of used to that it's another thing for like you know something that's designed something that heats up accidentally like if your if your phone is running too many videos or whatever mm-hmm. it overheats a little bit you leave it on top of a hot car and then it shuts off because you're trying to kill it uh or your laptop gets hot or whatever that's that's not really by design usually usually electronics go out of their way to cool off but not get extra cold mm-hmm. yeah so like a controller that has little refrigerators in it i don't know how i feel about that i, I so okay so i like the heating method i like that the idea of a controller that can heat up mostly because sometimes i'll like wake up early and i'll play let me play a little games for a little bit for work or i'll be up late and like my hands get cold and i'm like oh let me just heat my hands up with the controller i'm playing that's kind of a cool idea like i hate you know sometimes when you're especially if you're playing like an fps game or a fighting game having cold hands is terrible like that's why you see it like esports events they'll have those little uh those little like 
handbags that have like that are like meant to heat and so like you'll see the players kind of like squeezing them in their hands i need, um, I need to point out that this is all new information for all of us right now Jay. i don't think <laughs> anybody knew that esports competitions had hit they got they're like bags. they're little they're little little heat bags or whatnot. Bags. they're like little hot bags and like yeah, yeah they, they, they they'll use them <laughs> i don't know e-sports. what they're called they're little hot called. bags little hot bags <laughs> i know that, that's i know so little about esports <laughs> yeah. i mean you're like yeah, everyone in esports they have a they have a weasel they keep under the desk okay for you guys who don't watch esports but watch regular sports you know how like when the quarterback has something to like to heat he's his hands his hot bag yes exactly he's got his little hot bags to keep his hands <laughs> little hot bag sounds like one of my like Italian mafia uncles. <laughs> okay, tell they, go tell little hot bags he'll take care of it. <laughs> they warm up bags of Earl Grey tea and they just put them on their hands and they just is that what, what you're do they talking do with about? all the wet wet tea? <laughs> <laughs> they splash it on the coach. That's what they do. You know that. You've seen. I'm learning so much. Where is this? Sports. Where is this episode going? Where is this patent going? Where is this patent? Okay. Is this patent so, going anywhere? That's the question. That's a good question. Because honestly, patents are sort of just calling straight like, to esports. That's where it's going, Akeem. They're calling. They're calling dibs on an idea that they thought up. Like it's a thing they've clearly put enough effort into. They put R and D money into it, and they want to make sure that they can say that's ours if it ever actually you know materializes. It's entirely possible it never goes anywhere. This seems like a pretty. Seems like it'd be pretty expensive, you know, like a controller that can change shape through magnetic fluid and also, mm-hmm. you know, get hot and cold. But then again, that could also be, uh, I don't know, completely commonplace technology in 20 years or whatever. And they just they're like, oops, we thought of that first. Um, remains to be seen. It's it's definitely kind of hard to even comprehend. Like, it's funny to think mm-hmm. about, like, we're clearly having a good a good chuckle about it. But, you know, it is cool to see kind of a little bit of insight into what's going on, um, you know, behind the scenes at Sony, because like they make. They make video game uh, consoles. We know what those are, but they also yeah. try new things and they invent new stuff. And it's like, that's, you know, that's generally kind of above our pay grade. So it's mm-hmm. it's fun to sort of hear it's about nice that. It's nice to see a company trying to invent Flubber. I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. I hope it's more, I hope it's Flubber, who is green and helpful and not the T-1000, who that's, is... That's- uh, <laughs> that's our next sony icon is LA, it's gonna LA be flubber if sony wants to get on the ground floor for flubber and they want to be the most authentic Sony's way of doing to get it a monopoly on flubber disney's not <laughs> gonna like this those nutty professors uh now i feel uh, like does ha- does hasbro have a monopoly on flubber or just monopoly <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you again <laughs> all right so there's another thing that sony patented which seems a lot more uh, feasible i guess akeem uh, gave me like a pity laugh there i'll take it that was not a pity laugh i almost <laughs> broke my chair okay. settle down over there uh i still think it's venom because they're, they're yeah. putting venom and spider-man sony, it's sony venom. does own the rights to venom so there, yeah. there's that they don't have flubber uh i feel like f- f- gamers wouldn't like flubber anyway so they're just venom's kind of between flubber and t1000 too right he's like an anti-hero good guy bad guy he'll eat guy's head but also got a couple of his own movies where he's fighting worse people yeah, that's a good point, Brian. Anyway, you can, uh, you can move on. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that Sony patented is a uh, this again sounds like something the T1000 would maybe shout or I guess he doesn't really do that. But emotion detection and moderation based on voice inputs. So basically it is a system that would keep an ear open for how people talk to each other over, um, you know, voice communication during online gaming and um, p- punish accordingly. So. If somebody is just like shouting F-bombs and horrible stuff, you know, through their mic at other people they're playing with, uh, they might get like a little little red flag next to their name. And maybe if they kept doing that, they would just get banned, which honestly seems like something that probably should have existed already. Like you'd think that that would have 
there's a lot of games there's a lot of games now are doing uh like recording like in the background of voice chat so it can be monitored and checked later if there's a report that comes mm-hmm. in they can check the log i think riot does it with valorant now um yeah, yeah. and so there's i it's i'm happy to hear that technology is getting you know it's definitely it's definitely creepy like it feels it is. like you know road to hell paved with good intentions kind of thing where it, it's it, it's it seems like it's like it's not going to catch the right stuff and it's also going to punish the wrong the wrong stuff like that is yeah historically like these things will just like flag like a real person's name and be like sorry you can't make a name look oh okay i'll put it this way from personal experience um so my name is brian altano oh hi nice to meet you um that if you take the end of my first name and the beginning of my last name um it spells anal (laughs) It does. It does. Yeah. And so there, there have been times where I try to use my real name in like a video game thing. And they're like, sorry, you can't use that word. And I'm like, that's not, it, that word is in the middle of both of my names, but it's not, it's not who I, it's not what I represent, you know? Uh, it's just, not. uh, you know, blame your parents. Sorry, Brian. They didn't think that one through. You know, I think, I don't think a lot of people think of like the first name, like how much will they make fun of my kid? But they don't think like, how does my first name connect to my last name? Does it create body part in the middle see i think in the future that's a great way to like really kind of vet future baby names is not only to like look up what the name means or whatever but try to register that full baby name in an online game and if they're like no no there's cussies in there you'll be like oh that's right i have a a secret bad word inside my kid's name can't have that yeah Uh, a couple should sit around and like yell into their playstation and the playstation's like that's good (laughs) sure in the future maybe they can no this is i I mean we've we kind of see this in different forms like YouTube will will pick up on certain words. There's definitely like, you know, if you if you say certain words in a video and don't bleep them out, then YouTube will swoop in and like demonetize that video because you said a bad word. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we see there's stuff in like, um, like on TikTok where there's I think there's a certain level of voice recognition. And it's it's kind of it's creepy how good that is. It's just nuts to me that like the the previous version of this was just constantly recording everything and then having to have some kind of, you know, human oversight of somebody, you know, if you if you report another player for being, you know, too rowdy on the mic or whatever, then somebody has to cut like, okay, fine, we'll we'll check their their logs and be like, oh, they did say bad stuff. Okay, they get a they get a red flag. In this case, I don't know, it's just gonna be a robot taking care of that, which is I think there'll still be some level of human behind it for you know hopefully um it it, it also says emotion detection by the way so like let's say like i sometimes get when i get happy it's it's kind of aggressive so so i'm kind of curious what's like i'm happy right now like i scream and like Mm -hmm. it might sound like Mm -hmm. anger so i'm kind of curious how that yeah that nintendo 64 kid would have been banned immediately (laughs) (laughs) i mean i yeah i do wonder if how much of that is just going to be limited to like volume you know i mean i'm sure there's going to be some level of like you know tracking certain words or whatever but as far as just how do you tra- how do you track emotion in somebody's voice mm-hmm. i don't know if I someone s- gets a win in Fortnite, they might start screaming the f word like i f and one yeah. i won and like right. it's, so it's i'm kind of curious if that falls yeah in, i mean if it's good enough with. it'll detect that's a happy so win apparently it's also it, it, it's like a two-way street where it kind of it tracks the other the other people's responses so it's like it's mm. not just one person's noises being like kind of without context i think if it if it tracks other people kind of getting you know getting more vocal then they're like oh maybe this is a problem but uh again it's it's this is one of those things whereas the the controller that sh- changes shape and changes colors or whatever is like that's fair it's that's very like uh physical and and immediately understandable on like kind of like a goofy sort of out there sort of way this is a lot more kind of su- like vague and nuanced and sort of how it can mm-hmm. be interpreted and clearly there's 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 tech there for it um but 
yeah this seems like a, so, a much more likely thing we're gonna see but it's also less fun so like if it, if akeem gets really excited about something and he's like yeah i effing won i effing won and i re and i'm like that's very mean how dare you and like it recognizes that will it flag akeem if it's like a two-way street i could react in a fake way to get him banned for just being general genuinely excited about something right can you game the system I don't know how dumb these robots are, but maybe. <laughs> just just gaslight the robots. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you could also just maybe do that a whole bunch of times or just, like, act deliberately sad to whatever he said. And then if he, like, <laughs> you know, just dropped an offhanded F-bomb in, like, another game, it's just, it has all of these little reports logged, and it's just like, that's your last, that's your the third strike. And he didn't know he had any strikes. I can hear Brian just, just being yep. like, Akeem, I really don't appreciate that you beat me in these games. Yeah. It makes me really sad. This just reminds me of, like, the, the thing in Demolition Man. Oh, I love this. Red pulled up that. That, that boy that german boy yelling at his keyboard that ancient ancient meme from the days of e-bombs world or whatever um yeah I don't, <laughs> the fact you remember the site name i uh, there, I, I know burn in our brain only three websites there were only three back know, then there yeah, were only so, three webcams back yeah. then one of them caught this <laughs> yeah this little german boy pounding his keyboard and honestly i still don't know if he's angry or happy or what but uh maybe sony's robot can figure that out but um yeah, I mean this this whole te this tech reminds me of in Demolition Man. There's those like little things that give you parking tickets for saying cuss words, and then Sylvester Stallone uses them to wipe his bottom because there's no toilet yep. paper because that's illegal too. I don't know. That's just a. It's like it's it's definitely Big Brother territory. But also, if you don't want uh, robots to eavesdrop on you, then why are you using a proprietary device to talk to people over the internet? You know, like I don't think anyone's expecting like. Uh, Play, playstation online communication to be like completely you know interference free like that's very much like you're you're playing in in somebody else's clubhouse there so weird um now shifting gears here this is something that is a lot less a lot less real there's no patents there's barely even there's there's no paper trail for this but there are rumors flying around right now that sony is working on a new handheld um We've said repeatedly on this show that we would love it if Sony made a new handheld. The PSP is great. The Vita is amazing. We love those things. The Steam Deck is out there right now. The Switch is out there right now. Those are both examples of how you can do a great handheld in you know this present age of gaming. So it would be kind of cool if Sony you know threw their their hat into the little handheld <laughs> ring. Uh, but the rumors going around is there's something called the Q Lite, which is not exactly what we think of when we want a handheld typically you sort of think of something that's portable uh it you let you take your gaming on the go this is pretty much the opposite of that because it is strictly for remote play with the playstation 5 so you would require it requires a constant stable internet connection uh in most cases it, it sort of seems like this would be more for just uh playing your ps5 from from within the house sort of it, yeah. it honestly just kind of sounds like a wii u and again this is completely just this is this is not uh corroborated this is not official this is this is very vague rumors but people are talking about it so i figure we could we could discuss a little bit it's for the people like that who want to play their games on their phone with a controller or their ipad well, and they have home, a giant tv you. that's on that's sitting there just yeah. turned off but uh, then also <laughs> don't have a phone or a controller right and need a new device exactly yeah yeah, yeah. it's it it's this is the classic like who is this for question mm -hmm. right and like it, the, there it is so we just we just showed uh if you're if you're if you're watching or you're listening um playstation partnered with a company called backbone which i i love the stuff they make they make you know, one thing which is very very awesome it is a uh basically a controller grip for your phone and you can use it to remote play in your ps5 or your xbox or uh do xcloud stuff or or play native ios games using 
real buttons and sticks and it, it it's got shoulder buttons everything's like really really awesome controller and they made a playstation official one last year uh that's white and it looks gorgeous it looks in line with all of the ps5 branding and everything they've done and so like that exists that solves that problem which is for a very small group of people who are like i'd love to remote play to my ps5 on the couch while someone else is watching the tv or whatever it is you know whatever whatever yeah. uh, case use is there um sony hasn't like historically or recently dabbled in cloud gaming very much <laughs> in the same way that like X xbox has been like hey your entire game pass library is on xcloud go enjoy sony like kind of pioneered that like a decade or so ago they they got really into like the gaikai stuff and they were like really pushing for this for a minute and then kind of pulled back um so there's a an opportunity for that to be a thing like i know we recently got that logitech device that's effectively a steam deck that is just for cloud streaming it's got native onboard sd card on it if you want to put roms and stuff but for the most part like you can't just download a bunch of games on steam and, and play them there everything is streamed and so i guess they're going for that but it doesn't seem like that made a splash so i don't really understand why this would be a thing like this well, that, is that thing came out shortly before stadio was officially uh put, put to sleep like yeah that one that i think that that thing had on the box so yeah it works with stadia and then stadia was like stadia doesn't work with stadia so that's a that's an issue but again like this this shows like this this feels like um trying to meet a demand for something that doesn't yet exist but also meets the misses the point of what that the the thing it's trying to sell you in the first place like remote mm -hmm. play it's cool but the whole the whole thing that works there is like what they show you in that trailer is like yeah use your use your existing controller with your laptop or your tablet or mm -hmm. i think the backbone is a great compromise there where it's like a company that is good at making peripherals for mobile devices partnering with a company that you know makes the infrastructure that you're using to, to access that uh yeah but it also it, it's so it's so funny to me that sony would be working on this and again completely hypothetical this could all turn out to be total bs but uh it's like so, so, Sony makes tablets. Sony makes phones. They it blows my mind that they don't sort of team up on that and maybe like, oh, like here's the you know here's the ultimate pairing. It's a backbone and a Sony phone. It's the PlayStation package. It's the Xperia Play version 2.0, whatever. Um, but like everyone, I think I cloud gaming is awesome. That that is the future. But it also is it's totally antithetical to the idea of buying new hardware. The whole point is using hardware you already have. Like the whole thing with cloud gaming is that. It's in the cloud. It's not on a device you have with you. So if you're going to buy a new device, you'd kind of hope that that would do some of the heavy lifting itself and not just exist to access something far away. So yeah. if, yeah, I, I really, really hope this isn't a real thing because I feel like we're all just going to be sitting here collectively face palming over it. No, uh, cloud gaming is like a additive feature to native console gaming, right? It is a bonus to me. Like if I can have my games downloaded on my PS5, but then I can also cloud stream them, um, then cool, that's awesome. Give me the flexibility, give me options. But to create a device that only uh, funnels you into one of those options is like fundamentally missing the point. It's also like we saw with Stadia, consumers weren't willing to spend $70 on just cloud streaming a game. Like you do want some yeah. sense of ownership there. And so like, it's gotta be able to speak with your PS5 better. If they did a thing where you could natively onboard, save and load uh, PlayStation games, like maybe access your entire PlayStation Plus library or PlayStation Now, that that kind of stuff. Um, and then you could also play all the games that they ported to Steam, which at this point is, you know, Returnal, The Last of Us, Uncharted, Spider-Man's. Uh, there's, there's tons of stuff there that like they're already putting on 
systems that work as handhelds, right? Like most of their games, aside from The Last of Us, which stumbled recently, um, have communicated really well with PC. And so like there is an option to take those games and put it on a, a native handheld, but not as just a cloud streaming thing. Because like if you're on an airplane and that airplane takes off and you can't play Returnal anymore because it's not connected to the airport Wi-Fi, like you've completely missed the point of selling a portable device. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the cloud thing is... <clears throat> There, there is a future where cloud streaming makes sense as a as a portable solution to gaming because you're not lugging your entire console with you. But when you're but when you're going between point A and point B, like I don't know, if you're at grandma's house and grandma has decent Wi-Fi, maybe you're going to stream something on your phone. However, if you're on the train or on the plane or you go getting getting from your house to grandma's house and it takes a minute, you're bored at an airport. It doesn't really make sense to have something that requires a stable internet connection, at least not right now. Maybe someday mm -hmm. that'll be a non-issue, but like. I don't know. I feel like we're very much if you're going to if you're going to shell out money for a portable gaming device, that thing needs to be functional when it's portable. Like it has to be you have to be able to use it wherever you're going, not just in certain spots that it may be supported. That's just, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, we saw that with, uh, you know, the Vita because there was the option when the, the when it first launched to get the one with the with the 3G. I think it was at yeah. the time you could get the 3G service and you could pay to have, you know, a chip for to that and pay. I think it was through mm -hmm. AT&T, if I remember right. Um yeah. And so like they kind of they took that kind of into consideration. I feel like that was kind of their first step for kind of like testing the waters for doing that, for being able to mm -hmm. stream or not stream necessarily, but download and play online outside of the house on a handheld. And I feel like if this doesn't do something along those lines, like you're saying, of having some like uh, fallback to be able to play when you're not connected to the Internet, it's it's dead in the water. Well, I mean, I love that like prior to the Vita coming out, there was there was this the weird little PlayStation phone, which was an entire yep. it was like the Sony Ericsson Xperia Play that flipped out and you could play some games on it, but it wasn't designed primarily for gaming. And then you had the Vita, which you could get a 3G plan with through AT&T, but it wasn't a phone. So it was like maybe <laughs> just yeah. let's, let's talk to each other in the meetings. Let's get these yeah. departments together more, and more water coolers and let people have some chat in that in that business. <laughs> just let them hang out with each other. I You know, again, it's. It's well, this this is this is a rumor, so um, yeah, you know, very, let's yeah. we, we can we can leave it at that. Like honestly, I I, I feel like I, I would question the strategy if this if this were true, if, uh, just because we just got we just got some PlayStation hardware with the uh, PSVR two, uh, and yeah. and you know, I we, we talked about this in our meeting uh, yesterday. How like as someone who's 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 a VR enthusiast, like I've, I've like it, PSVR two got me back into VR. You know, I've, I've I told y'all about what I've. I've been hooking up, uh, pimping out my my quest uh, too, even though like I, I pretty much cursed it like weeks ago. But um, <laughs> I told you not to hit it with a hammer. I, I'm glad I didn't. I am so <laughs> glad I didn't destroy it. Um, but the thing is, like the reason I got back into my quest too is because there's there's significant lack um, in in games um, being announced and released on the PSVR two, and so I, I would like to see more support being thrown at the PSVR two. Like uh, there, there's, it's not to say that I, I wouldn't want like a PlayStation handheld. But I feel like that's like if the rumors again, if the rumors are true, it's it's scheduled to come out sometime in 2024 uh, before the again also rumored PlayStation 5 Pro. Um, if if I'm reading this correct, um, mm -hmm. like I, I want at least like let's let's see what let's see you know let's give a year or two support to the PSVR 2. You know I like sales aren't doing too well right now so how mm -hmm. about we just support what we currently have on the market like in, in no, my opinion true. i feel like I mean, that's what we should be doing it's also sony's a massive company so these are i'm guessing the different departments working yeah, on this of kind course. of stuff 
you know, the, the people who don't get to work in the, the top secret uh, hot and cold controller lab or whatever. Um, but I mean, thinking back, like at the tail end of the, the, the PS4 there, do you remember there was that uh, it it was like two extra buttons yeah. put on the the DualShock 4? Oh, mm -hmm. And we were all like, oh, OK, so the, the, the DualShock 5, the DualSense, as it was eventually called, is going to have it's going to have paddles on the back. It's going to have extra bonus buttons. It's going to be great. And then that it wasn't the case at all. Like unless you get the, the, the two hundred dollar dual sense edge. Yeah. So yeah. it was just this mm -hmm. weird little just vestigial thing that you could click on. It was like it was what like thirty bucks or something. Yeah, I think it was yeah something like thirty or forty bucks. Like I think what was more valuable for me in the PS4 lifespan was the keypad. Like being sure, able to yeah. like be able to clip the keypad on the bottom because I played Final Fantasy fourteen on PlayStation, mm -hmm. and so I was able to like type to my other people in my clan or oh, guild and stuff like that it made sense smart. and then i don't and, know just having a weird programmable uh it's like just such a it's such a half measure like two extra buttons that are programmable to be anything I also, you want i also like how this is like more high tech this like attachment is more high tech than what we got in the dual sense edge like the dual sense edge is great i love it the way it's like magnetic and you can just kind of Mm -hmm. you know plug and play and pull things out as as you see fit uh but like this one had an led screen which a exactly. totally unnecessary because yeah. it's on mm -hmm. the back of your controller my reasoning for bringing that <laughs> yes. up is that that made it to market yeah that's this completely like just wackadoo little extra bonus thing that they just tossed out there and i guess it maybe did okay i don't know i mean we there was also the what the playstation tv which was a vita without being a vita you just plugged it into your tv i still have that that's yeah. i like that people people love that it was a it was a cool thing but again sort of a weird neither here nor there kind of thing yeah, these just... things do make it to market so i mean in in that sense the idea of a q light whatever that means i feel like q is kind of a cursed letter these days but maybe <laughs> don't like i don't just maybe this is all wack, you know wacky conspiracy theories but like this could also happen. This could come to fruition. This could be a real thing that makes it to market. And uh, yeah. Will you know. buy it, Max? Will you buy Absolutely it? Absolutely not. Okay. okay. <laughs> I just want a backbone to be made for Android phones because it's iPhone only right. right now. So like I got the I got the, the cheap version of this, which was a third party like clip that goes on your dual sense with a phone mount, mm -hmm. which is uh, really poorly made. It's extremely flimsy. And sometimes it just like the phone like falls forward. So I'll be trying to game and it's <laughs> and uh so maybe in that sense, this is a good, huge improvement. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, this definitely sounds better than the worst, the worst thing out there that you have. Yeah, it's probably it probably also costs hundreds of times more money. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm curious what what people make of this. Is is this a handheld that we'd want? Because I'm kind of feeling like this is not what we'd want from a new Sony handheld. We mm -hmm. want another Vita. I want them to take the patent from the the moldable controller and put that into the next PSVR headset so it can mold around you as you play. Make no, a you, Sega you Nomad that plays PS4. <laughs> uh, all right. So shifting gears here, uh, we've all been playing a bunch of Resident Evil 4, whether that is the campaign or the newly dropped Mercenaries mode, which is a ton of fun. And it's kind of a you know cool callback to the original. But I feel like, you know, the, the main game was this was this massive kind of recapturing of everything great about the, you know, the original game. Mercenaries mode feels a little bit a little bit light. I feel like there's some stuff that's missing that they could add. Uh, I feel like, Brian, you and Jada both have some more time with this. Um, yeah, it's. it's 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 cool. I mean, it's a very arcadey feel as mercenaries is, is meant to be. Um, obviously, we're missing a few characters that we'd like to see. You know, Wesker and Ada. Um, but I mean, overall, it's it's a it's a nice little start. It's a start. It's a nice start for mercenaries. I didn't mess around too much with it on Village, Brian. I think you probably messed around with it more on Village. I did, yeah. And I also I played a ton in the original, and I think that like, um, 
the, re- the thing is, Resident Evil Remake is for Remake is so good at recapturing everything about what made the original awesome that when stuff is missing, it it sticks out more. Like mm-hmm. we don't have a a Simon Ada yet, right? And although that wasn't built into the base GameCube game when it first launched, um, it was added to PS2. And so I I would love to see that come down the line. But like mercenaries in the original game had more characters, and the version we have right now isn't isn't there yet and so i'm wondering if they're doing a thing where they're like they're going to create this kind of trickle effect where they go Mm -hmm. we'll add a couple of things here and there to get people to come back more often because that's the kind of the name of the game with you know uh most Mm -hmm. you know side modes like this these days like this is not a multiplayer game it's not online co-op or anything yet um although it could be down the line but so i wonder if they're like Here's, you know, Mercenaries right now. It's got a couple of characters. It's got a couple of levels. Um, but then later on, we're going to do a Simon Ada. We're going to airdrop Ada into Mercenaries. You're going to get Wesker because we built the character model for him for this game. All this fun stuff. And that'll get people like me and Jada and everyone else here to return to this mode more and more often. So maybe yeah. that's the strategy. Yeah, no, for sure. I think you're 100% on the dot with that, Brian. I talked with some folks at Capcom like years ago uh, before I even joined IGN. But like I was just at a dinner or whatnot, and they were like, they were one of the things they were trying to figure out is how do we take our big franchises like Resident Evil and not make them a one note type mm. thing to where like, yes, they're great. They sell amazing right out the get out the right at the start, but then that's pretty much it. And then mm-hmm. there's no more hype for it for the rest of the year. How do we keep people wanting to come back and so i think doing that trickle effect with things like mercenary mode and adding more characters is a great way to do it i mean i think there's there's a a nice happy medium between a game that comes out and is just never talked about again and games as a service that's just a constant you know uh dull roar of just new content and i feel like they've been walking a pretty good line there like we got the you know the the winner's expansion for village which Mm -hmm. added uh third person mode and uh vr mode that, wait, no, VR was that's not out yet. No, I'm, I'm crazy. That's coming. That's coming out though. Is it? No, VR's mode's VR, out for Village. Yes. VR, VR mode's already came out. Yes. And then after that, we, I think the third person mode came out like right before, or right after. Right. I'm totally before, getting yes. myself confused. There. Yeah. Uh, there is. Is there plan for v, PSVR two support for four? Yes. Okay, yes. So, yes. So yes. And there's. It's already playable entirely in Ocul on, on MetaQuest. But that's the old game. And Correct. Gonna, okay. There is so many versions that I do not blame you for this getting that mixed up. It have. is a very good problem to have so, with a good game. Yeah. Point point being, back when the original RE4 came out, like you would put a game on a disc and that was it. And then if you wanted to add new stuff to it, you'd maybe put out a, a new version of it or port it to a new system and add something like uh, like the, the 8 expansion. Um, but in this case, it's like you can, you can just put up a patch and add new stuff and, yep. and shake things up. So I would be... I would be surprised if we don't see new characters kind of regularly added to to um, mercenaries mode. And also, mm-hmm. like you look at mercenaries mode, and that is the that is the sort of gold standard of Resident Evil when it's not being classic Resident Evil. You know, yeah. they've been kind of chasing this ghost for a while. Of like, you know, we've had weird multiplayer stuff like Operation Raccoon City or the Umbrella Corps, mm-hmm. and like that's not really what people want from Resident Evil. But then again, people love mercenaries, so it's like what? Mm-hmm. Like and then, yeah, yeah. People p- pick a side. You what was, either, what you was just, the one with uh, that came out alongside three? 
That was resistance. Resist, so the Resident Evil resistance, and that was the asymmetrical was that, where yeah. you would play as like uh, one of the masterminds, and other people would play four random right. nobodies trying to go through like this yeah. dungeon, basically. They, I really liked resistance, but only when I was playing as the mastermind because I got to set all my traps and watch all the dumb people go through and die to a bunch of like zombie dogs and yeah, other. I mean, stuff. they've been they've been playing with this little sort of you know side like sort of B side to the game, and like yeah. You know, re3 remake arc 2 or 2 remake were great but then they've had these other little sort of things they've thrown in there which feel like they're just not quite hitting the mark but in this case people people associate mercenaries with four so it's like a really it's kind of a good balance there but like what do we what do we want to see besides wesker and ada i guess ashley uh, you want to play as ashley i do i do i yeah, saw i saw I people have modded her into the main campaign and it's awesome um more she costumes wearing the, the knight's armor the whole way through no no she's just wearing her her basic like you know i'm i'm going to the library to study outfit because i would um, love to play through as ashley wearing the knight armor just so i could just walk up to people and let them try to pick me up and then just um <laughs> no yeah i i think it's great and i think you're right about the mercenaries mode i think um we've got to we got to this point now where dlc is kind of almost an expected quantity when it comes to a big blockbuster game coming out mm -hmm. back in the day it wasn't as common. It was very rare for us to get any type of additional comment content for um, the games we played and loved. Expansion packs. Expansion packs were like, yeah. that was a big thing. Um, and so back then they were like, we have to cram as much as we can into this one expansion pass because we're not going to be able to do this again. Like it's just not feasible for back then. Now it is, mm -hmm. like you said, just drop a patch. Yeah. How well, there's like a, there's a bunch of, so right now we have three major areas in mercenaries, right? We have village, castle, and island, right? And yep. they just they kind of mirror the three big beats that you're in in the game. But all of those areas have, in the main game, in the main campaign, tons of areas you haven't gotten to in mercenaries. Like village in mercenaries is just the opening village section where you have your first big. I hold on. Overwhelming I love that this, this is Mike footage. I love this guy. It's like mercenary, but he just wheelbarrowing of like i didn't a, even notice that yeah like he was... a bundle of like flour or wheat i don't know what it was i was just running through and i was just like this dude is just like you know what i don't care he's about just working i'm yeah. just working in the village yeah um, he was like I'm, i don't want to be part of this but like there's later areas around around the village that are not uh kind of um part of mercenaries yet and one of them that i really like is that that kind of like fishing fishing hamlet fishing area mm. where there's just like there's multiple levels there's all the water with like snakes oh, in it the, and fish. uh the swamp that is um it's like fish yeah. farms i think oh, yeah the, the yeah the fish farms whatever yeah the hatchery so i think that would make an awesome an awesome level like you'd have to there's a there's a lot of good push and pull there with verticality there's the there's three tiers right like there's the swamp area there's that middle walkways and then there's the upper deck and i think that like all of that would make for like a super cool kind of arcade mode um there's enough like tunnels and ladders and houses and nonsense there that you there's can a, run into there's a lot of great areas for this like I, I, any any place where you basically have to deal with a bunch of mobs and you know fight them mm -hmm. off seems well suited like there's the whole part pretty early on which is i guess still the village but it's a different corner of the village where there's that that big rope bridge and you got oh, yeah. you got to get the yep. gold the you know bird amulet or whatever to open the door and like that that that's that totally great. well suited yeah you can run around oh, totally yeah yeah wait yeah. until a boss shows up and then break the bridge or whatever like that seems very I, fun. like yeah i think we should get like an interior castle yeah, i exactly. think the interior mm -hmm. castle would the be great the, the, awesome. yeah. the throne room oh, God, that, yeah the area with the the tar pits of tar pit fountains um mm -hmm. give me that room uh what else there's there's a bunch of other the, areas the big bug hive yeah the bug hive. i i don't want that level because i don't want to have to do 
want the bugs and mercenaries. <laughs> well, the one but... we agree we don't want is the is the science lab with the regenerators. No, I want that one. No, we don't want. I want that no, one. We don't. That's... Max, I want that. How much you good at How this many game? regenerators? Actually, Jada wants it because Jada is like absolutely nasty at this game, and Jada could take down like forty regenerators. Don't play Counter Strike. They just so this this <laughs> this footage. I don't know how much we'll get to see, but like I think right now it's just about the combat story because like that's the strategy for mercenaries. You run around, grab all the time, grab all the items, and then you fight everybody in one chain because mm. if you want the top score you have to chain all 150 enemies huh if you don't do that you will not get placed top um i placed i think 4922 out of the 50,000 on the leaderboards for this run Jada, come on awesome. um you know humble brag 4000 um, place come on <laughs> i was just under 5000 to be you know to be honest so it's just you know i, I barely oh, made that that's awesome i'm kidding but yeah so you'll, you'll see like this is all this is just me as crowds are just running around just knifing people in the face um <laughs> it's 90 percent of my kills are all yeah. with the knife um but that's also playing to his strength because he has stronger melee damage and stuff like that and i'm like oh right. i missed the i missed the item um oh i wonder if this oh no i think i cut that part i, what, I had to that guy's face with your knife. yes i cut that as well yeah. yes i cut all of that um, i think like more 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 costumes more like alt looks that, for the characters more yes. accessories weapons um i really like that you can unlock the hand cannon in this because that was like yep. what one of the like kind of coolest classic weapons and so like getting that getting stuff in this that feeds into the main campaign and vice versa right like if you know you get all the the cat ears and all the other fun stuff that you can get in the main game like let let players like basically just build out a whole a whole world I, there where they can I fully accessorize. I love that dynamic where there's like the single player thing, you unlock stuff, and then there's multiplayer stuff, and they kind of feed into each other. And the stuff you unlock one place mm -hmm. goes elsewhere. Not the case with mercenaries, but like some you know some things you you unlock can go in the main game. Is that right? Or was that the case in the original? I guess like I don't remember what like. unlocks from the mercenaries converted over to the main game. Was, I feel like there I was don't probably from the GameCube one, but yeah. Now I, this time around, we have the hand cannon, which you unlock okay. and can use in the single player campaign. Yeah, I saw people. So you could well, there's like the, there's uh, the what Las Plagas removal laser or whatever. That's, yeah, which that's is not in the game, but I saw people no. speculating that maybe that would show up in mercenaries, and then it didn't, and then like maybe it'll show up in in Ada. Uh, if they drop mm -hmm. Ada in there, but yeah, the weird thing is, I feel like we've got we've got mercenaries, which is awesome. We've got um, rumors of of separate ways. Would we want to see them do like something original, or would that just be weird? Like, would they if they went completely like if they did like a, a like a a, a Luis side story where he plays Luis? Yeah, oh, well, I'll take it all. Yeah, that'd be yeah. fine. Yeah, I think that'd yeah. be cool. I think if it's done right and it's in the universe properly, I think actually big jet ski yeah. adventure. I'm into it. Heck yeah! Mm -hmm. What happens afterwards? How are you going to get back take, to the I'll president's house with that? <laughs> I mean, I'll take we, anything they want to make in this in this engine with these characters in this world and, and really any, any any RE game. But like this episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? 
One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. If they want to keep building out four and they're like, wow, we're really happy about this. We have more stories we want to tell in Resident Evil 4. Yes, absolutely. I'll take them. That, Do that I, want, I want an Didn't original get... story around the merchant. I want to know yes. more about this mysterious you know, character. Put, put him in mercenaries. Well, I mean, you can do that, but I mean, I want to know what he does and just his, you know, <laughs> where, how does he acquire all of the equipment that he gets? Like, I want to go on like a scavenger hunt. Or something, Akeem, like that's, a, that's, like a, that. that's it. You're, re- you're, you're really setting me up for a great segue to this oh, yeah? next thing I want to talk about, which is specifically the merchant. The Resident Evil 4 Merchant is one of the best and most absurd parts of a game that is already great and jam-packed with completely ridiculous over-the-top stuff, but he also exemplifies everything that makes that game great, as well as just games as a whole. This guy first pops up in a random window like a sock puppet. He just pops up, and then he coaxes Leon to meet him around a corner with all of the subtlety and salesmanship of a crack dealer in a 1980s anti-drug PSA. He's vaguely menacing at first, and then you quickly realize how, you know, goofy he is. And really, that is like so much of the Resident Evil series. It is scary at first, and then it's silly. And that's why it's so great. The merchant's design also completely distills RE4's visual sensibilities into one guy. His clothes and his mask and his knapsack kind of make him look like he stepped out of a fantasy RPG. And then he opens his coat, and it's very clear that his area of expertise is the other kind of RPG. And that's that's really the game's whole aesthetic. It's this incongruous mix of creepy old fairy tale stuff like villages and castles and giants. But it's also slick futuristic stuff like scientific laboratories and submachine guns with thermal scopes and bioengineered weapon men. It's a weird game. It's all over the place. In what universe would somebody trade an old antique goblet covered in hand inlaid gemstones for an automatic rifle and a spray can of Bactine? 
Well, in the Resident Evil universe, it doesn't make any sense, but it works because video games. You will guide Leon through the most arduous, death-defying obstacle course, fighting off unthinkable horrors, and you walk around the corner, and this merchant chucklehead has folded out his little table and put up his spooky lantern that he got from Spirit Halloween, and he's there, and he's ready to buy your dead fish and chicken eggs and sell you a laser sight for your gun. Why not? How did he get there? It doesn't matter because you're always happy to see him and he's always happy to see you because we love him. He's wonderful. I've seen theories that maybe the merchant isn't one guy, but a bunch of different guys who dress up the same and spout the same one-liners. But if anything, that makes him even more ridiculous. Like he's a scary mall Santa who sells guns. That's odd. So many games bend over backwards to explain around their own video gaminess, adding as much context as possible to try to quell any ludonarrative dissonance that the player might feel when one of the systems that makes the game fun to play shatters any sense of realism or immersion. Resident Evil 4 not only does it try to hide its video gaminess, it flaunts it, it leans into it. And whether you're suplexing a little old lady, stealing an antique piece of jewelry off the corpse of a genetically engineered monster, or rearranging everything in your purse so you can have room for a crossbow that shoots landmines. It's wacky, it's all over the place, and we love it. What is the merchant doing with all these valuable antiques? Who is supplying him with guns in the first place? Do any of the game's many horrible enemies actually try to kill him? Or is he cool with them? That seems like a weird relationship. Do they buy stuff from him? Did he sell that guy his chainsaw? Most importantly, if his back is killing him, why doesn't he just take off his pack and sit down? Like, get a chair. Trade one of your crowns for a chair. They're not that expensive. Also, he's apparently canonically friends with the Duke from Resident Evil Village. What do they do when they're not buying and selling stuff? Do they hang out? Do they, like, go fishing? Or do they... Gun convention. Antique show, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Gem fair. As far as completely nonsensical things in video games that we take for granted go, the merchant is right up there with finding an entire roast chicken in a castle wall or fitting a rocket launcher into your back pocket. And really, RE4 wouldn't be the same without him. I love you, merchant. I want more of you. You should be in every video game. You're the best. Stranger. Aww. Thank you. For Aww, that was talk. beautiful. What a, what that was a so beautiful love story to to the merchant. Who doesn't love the merchant? The merchant's the, great. The, Everyone the loves multiple the merchant. merchant thing. That, that I've never thought of that. That blew my mind. I don't. I hope that's not true. I don't. I don't like like their brothers or something. There's like a whole family of them. Yes, it's, it's a business. I mean, look, tree. <laughs> I looked up some YouTube video that was like, "Who is the merchant?" Ari Lore explained, and this dude gets to that part. He's like, "Maybe it's a bunch of different ones." And I just like closed the video, and I was like, "How dare you?" Okay, <laughs> what do you mean it's a business? It. Like, the, like they all wear, you know, like that, like the best. Like, like, like the Blue Man Group. You know, it's okay. you know, it's it's like there's a there's a bunch of blue men that don't talk that look exactly alike. So it is makes that, sense to me. Is that your go-to group when you think of a business? <laughs> <laughs> they're selling you entertainment it's a yes. business like the blue man group. yes they're selling you entertainment are they but, like you know, an llc or a non-profit did anyone ever dig into that a blue like man group a group is vague i don't know they're a b-l-u-e <laughs> uh, but no max max i i gotta say look i i love that you gave the you know the the merchant all this love but but you and i are gonna have to duke it out a little bit because, uh, uh -oh. You mentioned a guy who I'm I'm a huge fan of, and that is uh, the Duke. Much bigger fan of his than I am of your merchant. And honestly, that's just because uh, I played Resident Evil Village before I, I ever played RE4. Uh, but I have six reasons for you to rebut what you just said. Six reasons why the Duke is actually better than the merchant. Uh, always got always got to be a list at IGN. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, I got got to have a list go here. Now, uh, number one, Duke knows you. The Duke actually knows your name. The merchant he can't be bothered to learn Leon's name. He calls him 
stranger. I don't know if he thinks the S in Leon S. Kennedy stands for stranger. It doesn't. All right. It stands for Scott. Now, number two. Wait, wait, wait. Is that, is that canonical? Is Leon Scott Kennedy? Yeah. yeah, I read it on the Wikipedia. It better be. <laughs> I've read it on the Wikipedia. If Wikipedia is lying to me, I, I'm going to have some discussions with some people over at Wiki. Anyway, we, we, we definitely all agree it's not Stranger, right? It's definitely Leon Stranger Kennedy. Does that make sense to anybody? I think it's Come a on, sick no. nickname. I think it's they're so close that he's got a cool nickname that only the Duke calls him. They're that. They're like that. They're buds, you know? No, I get, get the hell out of here. No, stay here because I want you to listen to my reasons. Number two, Duke directs you. Now, throughout Resident Evil 8, the Duke gives you a sense of direction and provides backstory when needed to help guide you to where you should go next. Now, outside of peddling his wares, the merchant doesn't care where the hell you go as long as you come back and buy more stuff from him. He warned you, he warned you not to go forward without any and not have regrets, though. That's it. He says that almost every single freaking time. He doesn't give you any <laughs> new information. Come on now. The Duke actually gives you new information each and every time. He's the one that told you, a spoiler alert, that your daughter was made, it was inside that damn tube. Remember that? You remember that. That's Anyways, true, yeah. Thank you. Reason number three, Duke wants to know who you are. He's not afraid to show you his face, even being so vulnerable to show you his belly and bricked up feet. Like the merchant... <laughs> He's wearing a freaking mask as if Las Plagas is an airborne virus. He needs to stay exactly six feet away from you to, so he doesn't catch it or something. I, I mean, I want to see what he looks like underneath that mask, man. Just let me just let me see the tip of your nose, at least. <laughs> we can't even see that with this guy. Now, number four, the Duke is a conversationalist, right? He talks to you. He wants to have conversations with Ethan outside of the typical, you know, canned voice lines you, you hear throughout the game as you buy things ethan and the duke exchange dialogue now while the merchant's lines are i admit max they are very funny i'd like to know more about the mass item seller like you know show me his to, feet <laughs> yeah, i want to see his feet i want to see his belly i want to know where he goes to vacation I, there's no way he's staying there to vacation that place is fucking weird excuse my language bleep, bleep that out bleep that out bleep the, the, the f-bomb out Reason number five. I, I'm very passionate about the Duke. I love that fat man. Uh, now, the Duke mentions his friends, which, Max, you said earlier. The Duke's, you know, his, he's, he's got a big mouth. He's got a big mouth. I was expecting y'all to say, how big is it? The Duke's got a big mouth. His mouth is, is it? Well, it's we so did, big we that, that we, know, we know because of him that he and the merchant were friends. Now, how come the merchant ain't ever mentioned that obese, oversized hobbit that sells wear is similar to him, huh? That's a one-side friendship. But don't tell me the chicken became, came before the egg, which is why he never mentioned the dupe. I, 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 I'm thinking of, he should have said something about a dupe, even if he was talking about cards. Anyways, <laughs> reason number six, the Duke is important to the plot. The Duke's presence later on in the game becomes part of the narrative as he's directly involved in the journey towards the end of the game. All right, he shares some meaningful words with Ethan that shows to the gamer, underneath all those belly rolls and bacon bits, there's a heart of gold, potentially plagued with a future spat of coronary embolism. Um, <laughs> but still, while I understand people like you, Max, love the merchant because of his one-sided banter, the Duke is the king. Okay. Hold, uh, oh, wow. hold, okay. On, hold, hold on, 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 hold on. That was very good. Yes, I agree, yes. I agree. We work really backwards here? Clap. I have to clap uh, yeah, on myself. Yeah, let's work backwards. I'm going to start. I'm going to. Can I go first? Sure. It's very quick. A couple of claps. Has the. No, no claps. No <laughs> claps till we're done. Has the Duke ever opened a door for 
uh, Mr. Winters. Because in Resident Evil 4, if the merchant doesn't come and open a door for you, you're locked in that room. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're stuck captured. He, mm. The so merchant goes out of his way, you went way more to specific. save. You said the Duke is the king. I was going to say, by definition, the Duke is not the king. That too. He's the Duke. Ah. That's, it's, in the, it's in the name. I don't I. I, it's very nice of you to say he's the king, but I've, I've chose a, a fundamental misunderstanding of monarchy. Look, how dare you drop a big dookie on what I'm saying right now, okay? Come on now. Look, give me this, Max. I Look, he may not have opened up a physical door. He's opened up... Actually, he has opened up a physical door. His carriage. It was a door to his carriage, which you are in. Oh, fine, okay. It just magically opens up. The right, door so to his the carriage. so the duke is important to the plot and the merchant isn't? The yes. merchant, you get all the cool I, stuff. Akeem, I clap for you. I got you. Uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest. Three, three out of six of your points were basically the same. <laughs> what, what, what do you, what do you mean? Which one? Hey, hold on here. It was, hold it was like hold on it, it was, you basically had two points. One that he's like friendly and helpful, and the other that um, he, he like will show you his his stuff. Like and he cares and about you and okay. your feelings. Yes. So he's okay. also part two, of the narrative. Two arguments so here. Than the friend, friendly and helpful. The fact yes, that he mentions his one. friends, he's just name droppy. The merchant <laughs> obviously is friends with the Duke, but he doesn't feel the need to just be like, doesn't need I to. know a guy who has a whole wagon full of machine guns and gemstones. I know an oversized guy. Like, says, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's just, look, look, I talk about Max and Brian all the time and you too, Jada. All right. I, I always talk about you all. I name drop all the time. You mean to tell me the merchant couldn't name drop this guy, I mean, I, he, he couldn't right. physically pick him up. You say he's a conversationalist. He, you, you go there, like, yes. you know, when you you go to the you go to like a Banana Republic, and they're like, "Can we help you uh -huh. find anything?" And you're like, "Not shopping here anymore." They they talk, they do that to let you know that they're watching you to shoplift. Yep. They don't do that because they care about you. Hundred percent fact about loss for retail. Retail, and also it's it's annoying. I will pay more to go to a place where they don't talk to you at all. I don't even want to see people who work there. I want to I want to be lost in the store. I get to the register. They're like, "You need help finding anything?" Like, you already asked me that a while and, ago, and, and, and I wouldn't have said yes then. I'll let you in on a secret. Like, majority of the time, the workers don't even want to have to do that. No, like we're shy. Don't like, get I me wrong. Shy. Don't get me wrong. Like those who love customer service and exuberate it. Like I used to do that, and I enjoyed talking to my customers. But it got to a point where, like, in my retail experience, like. I would have district managers coming in my store watching my camera and be like, hey, why didn't that employee go and greet that person on the floor? Like, well, they said hello. Like, that's not enough. They need to be on the floor in their face. I'm just like... Wait. Mm -hmm. So you think Mother Miranda is like scolding the Duke when he doesn't go and talk to people that come into the village? Is that what you're telling me right now? I like that we're really getting we're really getting deep on just the, yes. the, the retail differences here. <laughs> I don't know. There were, there were various moments where we all collectively oh, had like a okay. slight grasp of what's happening here, and I feel like it's I've got, completely flown out of our hands. I've got I've got the I've got the thing that's gonna like will differentiate who's actually better. I mean, you haven't told me who's better. Like I, I'm gonna, I the Duke, I'm gonna everything, here, here it is. This is this I will also, this Max, Max, you're, this you're, will decide. Max, you're, you're too tall to shoplift. I'm just going to say it. You can't. <laughs> yeah. you, you can't be that big and still close. It's silly. Um, it's the, I have too many colors in my hair to shoplift. Like it's like, oh, no. yep, it was that person with the yeah, four colors exactly. in her hair. Um, no, this is what will decide it. Who gives the better sell back rate? Who gives? Who buys back the weapons? Buys back items for more money? That's who I mean, the better shopkeeper is because the, that the Duke is putting money cooks. in the hands of Ethan or Leon, and whoever's getting more money, they're obviously being treated We haven't better. talked about this. The, the, the Duke cooks for you. Like, that's okay, a, that's is a he a store thing. or a restaurant? I don't get it. I don't... He's both. You know, he's one of those... Um, so he's a Costco. Fast, he's a Costco fast. where you can go and get, like, a, a hot dog. Just, look, can we stop comparing him to a store? I know he's big, but jeez, <laughs> come on. This is, he's like, very offensive. He's got big money. He's got a wagon covered in garlic. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got a big wagon. We've all seen it. Like... <laughs>
Yes, I I, I respect urban the, dictionary the, the, term of the, wagon. The, by the, the plucking, <laughs> the pluckiness of the merchant. He has to unfold all those like rickety tables and put up those little homemade shelves and hang up all mm-hmm. his. Merch. He's got he's got like one little like home base kind of the one like by the lake. It looks like he's looks more like kind he's of set up there. Alley at Comic Con, but he's just <laughs> selling brooches <laughs> and guns and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's got to like cart that stuff away. His back hurts. What, what, what I what I will say is this: uh, the the Duke probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the merchant. Uh, yes. Obviously, the the merchant paved the way for uh, what we got in Village mm-hmm. uh, in the Duke. Obviously, the Duke is like a more uh, I would say uh, uh, more realized version of or fleshed out version of of the merchant. Like when when Resident Evil Four first came out, you know, I mean, it was it was you know earlier the earlier days of of gaming. So you know, now we we've evolved as game as gamers as the games industry has evolved. Yeah, and, and so we got the Duke. The merchant yeah. talked the Duke into opening a wagon store. You, you look that there's a note hidden behind one of the um, the suits of armor, and it says uh, it, t- it tells a story about how he founded the Duke's Wagon Emporium. I don't know. I think I missed that note. I made Max. that up. I don't it's know. I don't think. Yes, but I like it. It's my head cannon. There's a bunch of knights in both games, so I see it could work. So so good. We're settled. The Duke is better. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, figure that out in the comments section. You're, you're not in studio. They're both great. I like them both a lot. I think the Duke, the fact that he sells food and is is great too. That's everybody's always hungry after a long day of shopping. You go to Home Depot, there's always like a truck in the parking lot. You know, they sell hot dogs sometimes. So he is he he's not the a, Home Depot. He's the guy. He's the truck outside the Home Depot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you can y'all compared him to Banana Republic, Costco. <laughs> Why y'all keep comparing this 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 big man to stores? <laughs> just Why can't he just be a man? This episode of Beyond you buy stores. They're both they're stores. both stores. stores. It's oh. just that one of them runs a food truck too. But you all haven't said the merchant is like McDonald's selling you nuggets. No, because McDonald's would be more like Starbucks. He's on like every corner. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Jay, you've been playing a game besides Resident <laughs> Evil. I have meet your maker. Meet your maker. Hell of yes. a transition. <laughs> Hell of a transition. Uh, Go right yes. it. I've been playing uh, Meet Your Maker. It's this kind of Super Mario Maker meets Doom um, kind of mashup. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. My first uh, 24 hours of this game, I hated it. I absolutely hated this game. The first 24 oh. hours of playing this game. Um, but then I started building my own dungeon, which you guys are seeing here. And this is footage of somebody going through my dungeon and dying multiple, multiple, multiple times. And that is where I fell in love with beat your maker is the ability to create my own dungeon with my own traps and fill it with my own enemies and put them in diabolical places there's fire there's bombs there's bolt shots there's skewers um invisible blocks lava blocks traps and all types of other fun things uh that i've hidden throughout this dungeon and this is my very first one so it's still very uh kind of early um but this guy's about to die right here uh as you can see because he uh, did not uh, he did not cut through my guy's armor, and I love it. Um, but yeah, it's great. So like, as you progress and play through levels, uh, you get materials, and then you can upgrade your own arsenal as well as buy new equipment for your dungeon, different traps, upgrades for those traps. So there's ones you can set to where they don't appear until you're escaping the dungeon. Because so you have to go into the dungeon, grab like this core. Uh, called gen mat and then you have to escape the dungeon and so like it's kind of a two-way thing where you can set up traps to trigger on the way out mm-hmm. instead of on the way in and they're invisible until you they grab the core um but yeah and i just really love that there's all types of different varieties for it um 
I don't really enjoy going through other people's dungeons as much. Like, it's fine. Um, but for me, it's it's kind of scratching that itch of, like, level designing and building something. Um, because there's a lot of, a lot of nifty tools in there um, that I'm really enjoying. This is fascinating because, like, I was expecting you to completely latch on to the competitive side of this. Mm. But, again, yeah, it's also, it's it's sort of two games in one. Uh, I'm... I didn't mess with the with the creative side of it. Now I'm kind of curious, uh, which it's it's funny because it's a completely different philosophy. Like it's a, you're you're playing you're doing something entirely different. And it's it's funny to me because like there's you know there's a sort of uh, almost modular hobbies where like some people I don't know some people get into Warhammer because they want to play Warhammer. Some people get into Warhammer because they want to paint miniatures. And it's like you kind of you you kind of need both of those to really make it work. But in, in this case, mm-hmm. like you actually really need both of them. And it's uh, I don't know like I, have, have you. You haven't been really messing with other people's maps too much. So, I mean, I go through probably, I don't know, five or six maps a day, probably just to get enough materials to, like, upgrade a few things and add a few stuff, a few things to my my dungeon. Um, One of the things about building the dungeon as well as as you kill people, they drop resources in your dungeon, which you can also use to upgrade. Um, And as you get enough, after you get enough kills. or they just, like, leave their crap at your house? Yeah, basically. (laughs) Oh, my God. So it's like if you ran a carnival and all the keys and cell phones that fell out of people on the roller coaster, you got to keep that? You got to keep it, sell it, it, and make, you know, you know, craft it into something new. Craft into some armor for your, your, uh, you know, uh, know, the hairless person um i don't know just reaching for a carnival a carny person um thanks thanks jada you're welcome um (laughs) but yeah uh and as you're as you kill people or they complete your dungeon they can rate your dungeon like oh this was really artistic or this is ingenious or this is brutal or this is one other thing i can't remember what the fourth option is ever um you get to upgrade your dungeon which expands the uh the the maximum amount of materials you can put in the dungeon. So as you level up your dungeon and it becomes more notorious online and other people are playing it, you get to make it bigger. And, oh, I think this is my favorite trap right here. He's going to grapple like his... Uh, oh no this is this guy i think kills him i don't remember didn't you you brought in like 14 minutes of foot this is like 14 minutes okay. of footage so like <laughs> if you're ever going through that dungeon like my dungeon if you see it online um i think this one's called big bear lake what i don't <laughs> know why it's called you. that i don't know why it's called <laughs> big bear lake i don't get to name them you don't get to name them they have her families going on vacation that's not, that's <laughs> Wait, you don't get the name what do you mean How, how'd you get that name that it's just so you basically there's like burial sites and you can purchase a burial site which sounds just outrageous saying it out loud now for the first time (laughs) but yeah you you basically are building these dungeons on burial sites and so okay like a haunted burial yeah maybe there's a uh, option to rename it and i'm just blind and haven't seen it but yeah um also don't kill those little guys that are walking they're there to guide you through the dungeon and so so many people come in and kill them and then they're like lost um is there like a is there a leaderboard uh, for like who has the most com- complex like uh, um, dungeon? I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen any leaderboards or anything like that yet. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see like the dungeon that has the most kills, but also the most right. upvotes or whatever. That seems like a fun yeah. thing to kind of track. Yeah, and there's like there's dungeons of different levels. Like this is the biggest uh, variant with, and it's at the max like brutal difficulty. It goes to like minimum, dangerous, brutal. Um, I had to do it like I don't know. I guess like a voice announcer How you pronounce it brutal um but yeah no i'm having a blast with this and it's a lot of fun the only thing also i haven't noticed is i don't think there's a way to like grab a code for your dungeon and like share it like wide with people like if somebody's on mm. your friends list you can make your dungeon a social dungeon which keeps it prevents it from decaying over time because they these decay these burial sites 
you know, return to the earth, apparently, after 24 hours. You were worried about this last time. Does it save your progress? So, yes. So what happens if you don't get enough points to prestige your dungeon and make it bigger and better, you have to um, spend resources to refill it and you lose all your prestige points down to that last level you you prestige. So like my dungeon's at level three right now. I haven't checked in a couple days. So if I didn't get enough points, I'll have to spend a bunch of resource and it'll reset to the beginning of level three. And then I'll have to regain... Uh, all the resources to get it it's a neat way of kind of making it competitive to just design stuff yeah i've seen some really cool stuff i've seen like uh there's like this like staircase to heaven one where you had to go up this long staircase and there was like nothing there and you had to climb down there's two different paths you could take and had different traps on each way so you had to like really check your corners otherwise you got skewered or hit with arrows yeah well by by the way there's a good joke there but i'm not gonna go there there's a stairway to heaven there's nothing there (laughs) it's true but yeah, this is on this is on PlayStation Plus right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious to see what people make of it. It's again one of those ones you got to kind of let it out in the wild for it to really flourish. But that is the uh, that's the Dead by Daylight developers. So yeah, there's a lot of Dead by Daylight like materials and stuff you can like. I've seen like wooden cabins built and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like all types of cool they stuff. Gotta, they got to put a uh, pyramid head in the pyramid and then make him fight you or whatever. Just put, put <laughs> ash in the pyramid. In yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, um, Jada, you also played a bunch of games at GDC, which was feels like a million years ago. Oh, my God. Yes. Down the road. Yeah, we do. Uh, OK, so I'm going to talk about the first one, um, which is I'm most excited for. It is called Checkmate Showdown. Um, and this is basically chess mixed with a fighting game. So you will play chess against your opponents. And then anytime you are taking a piece that is not a pawn, it it brings it in and you are duking it out one-on-one street fighter style huh. um and so and one of the kickers to this is it has a marvel versus capcom assist kind of command to where if say you could take a piece with both your rook and your knight you can call in an assist from the other piece mid combo to like extend your combo and do more damage now the key the trick is as your piece takes damage that damage is permanent so even if you're like max you were say you were using a knight to take my rook but i win the fight you lose your knight but i keep my rook but any damage you dealt to my rook my rook is now like at that so if you did 50 percent of my health i have 50 percent of health for the future fights with that with that piece Mm. so like even if you're really good at chess um and say you can get to somebody and like checkmate get to their their king and attack their king a bunch of time like first like it doesn't just end when you get checkmate like normal chess you have to defeat the king if that person whose king is on the defense is really good at fighting games you may have to like checkmate them like three or four times depending on how good you are or bad you are at fighting games that is that's such a funny mechanic for games i I really it's it's probably my favorite genre mashup of like strategy and fighting. How like, does it how does it fare in terms of like fighting game mechanics? Like does it feel good? It feels very good. It felt like I think it was probably closest to like Mortal Kombat, I would say, for combat uh potential or combo potential. Um I'd say it was like that. There was, you know, a bunch of grabs. Looked like there were I, I couldn't tell if there was command grabs. I only got to play it like one or two fights. Yeah. Um but yeah, really, really enjoyed that one. Um highly recommend checking it out. Um I they're doing like their first like in-person like tourney for it uh up in Montreal this weekend because that's where the developers are based out of. Um but yeah definitely if you know check them out and they're each- on Twitter and each stuff chess like piece that. has like each chess piece has like their own move set. From what I could tell, yes. What what's the move set of the Duke? The Duke. There's no Duke in chess. 
I can't, oh I'm man, sorry. there isn't. No, nope, nope. That's why you know. But there is a merchant piece in, in chess. <laughs> it's just called Checkmate. Checkmate Showdown, I believe. Checkmate Showdown. Okay. Yes. Um, another no, one. To me, uh, another ahead. one I played is called uh, Seeds of Yggdrasil. Um, this one is kind of like a uh, civilization roguelike, um, which is really cool. And so, like, you're kind of like building up the. You go to these missions, and then you have to like like measure you're playing like Civ five or Civ six or whatever, and you're like expanding out in different areas, and you have to get enough workers to go and attack this area and stuff like that. And there's like a time limit and stuff like that. But as you get materials, you go back and you're rebuilding. This is the story. Like, if I remember right, this is the story after Ragnarok. So um, this is for, like, what's happening after that point. So that was a pretty cool one. Um, I got a little bit of hand time, hands-on time with that one. Um, let's see. What else? Ah, Pacific Drive. Mm. That's, the, that's the big one. Um, that one, I got to, hand, got to do hands-on with this one. And boy, let me tell you, I was terrible at it. Um, <laughs> I, I find that hard to believe. I, no, I was I was really bad. I did not escape the zone once. Uh, I ran two runs and I died in both of my runs. Um, I was, you know, learning the controls and they were like, hey, we can run you through the demo. And, you know, they kind of handhold you. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. Just throw me in the deep end. <sighs> that was a mistake. Uh, when, so when you for, guys get a chance for the to refresh, this, this is like that. It's first person uh, rogue light. Driving game? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's exactly. Yes. So okay. um, this is, yeah. So basically, you know, you have this car, you have this garage where you can upgrade your car, and you're basically driving into the center of the Pacific Northwest of this, like, storm area, trying to figure out some type of, of mystery. I didn't get to, like, really dive into any of the mystery and story stuff. I mostly got the gameplay stuff. Um, but I I lost so many car parts while out on the road. Um, <laughs> I had so many, like, creatures just attached to my car and then run away with, like... Uh, panels um at one point i lost the 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 hood of my trunk um which was very bad because all my materials were back there um but yeah and it, it's very much like survival-esque so where you have to like kind of manage your um the uh durability of like your different tools and stuff because certain tools will break while you're out on the go and some of them you need in order to complete the trek to the next uh anchor of the of the trip um but yeah it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed i can't wait to get more time with it so i can actually sit down and like like okay now i know what i'm doing with this but highly recommend it um when it it's, when it drops it's still it's still in development uh it's slated for release sometime this year and that's yes that's coming to ps5 so yep, yep. we get more on that was there I'm really else interested you, in this one. You checked out that sticks. I love how also all these so far are the most unsearchable. Like if you Google uh, Checkmate <laughs> Showdown, uh, yeah, or Seeds of Yggdrasil or Pacific they're, Drive, you get like God of War Ragnarok walkthroughs, they're, websites. <laughs> they're, <and also. laughs> so these are a lot of these. A lot of mine is Pacific Drive. A lot of these ones I got to check. That I mean, that's the beauty of GDC is you get to play a lot of these games that aren't really. Um, aren't like they're, they're still early development they're still like they have a demo that's playable and stuff like that but there's not a whole lot um marketed and stuff yet because it's not at that point yet um i guess the other one i would give a shout out to would be proto droid delta which is like a three-dimensional mega man with a black female lead as the character. Um, and it looks to be fantastic. I got a little bit of time with like the early level. Um, and I really, I, I really hope that that one gets kind of picked up and people can check it out because I think we need a new game in the Mega Man 3D space that we just haven't gotten a lot of yet. That looks, is it, so it's, it's not 
necessarily like a battle network or something. It's, no, it's no, like it's like straight it's up like... 2D me- Mega Man in 3D, right? Exactly. Yes. Yep. This is it. Yeah. So like, okay. looks very cool. It's very stylish. It's uh, it's not um, cyberpunk, but it's solar punk. So mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, it's very bright, colorful, futuristic look of like almost like utopia of the world like but there's still robots that you have to destroy so video game it looks like a video game and that's the best thing like we're full jumping lasers and what we love video games that's what we're here about so can you get different like upgrades stuff for your suit like different different weapons arm attachments it seemed like there was there was like some stuff that implied that there in the yeah i believe so i'd have to double check um but yeah that one is right around the corner Um, yeah 27th and that's uh on a bunch of platforms yep that's cool that's great. Also, full disclosure, that's published by Humble Games, which is uh, owned by IGN's parent companies, If Davis, and we're legally, we have to tell you that. They don't let us. Thank you for stuff. remembering that, because I completely forgot that was a, a Humble product. <laughs> Just a, uh, um, I think the only other one that I will throw out, I played a bunch of games. There's uh, from this uh, one, this other publisher. One is called like Saga of Sins. It just came out. It's like a Castlevania, but uh, stained glass art. And you can you can transform into, uh, I wish I had brought the box. I got this really cool box. Saga, Saga of Sins. Um, I got this little box that says Saga of Sins. And I was carrying around a box of basically sins which i was i was reinformed later that day i was like you can't call it that jada i was like oh yeah i forgot about that okay i'm into this um, it's a kind of like similar aesthetic to uh like pentiment but a little yes. yeah a little more uh dark fantasy okay yeah mm-hmm. so, so i got to i got to check this one out looks really cool um you're kind of going into like it's uh, got that metroidvania element to it to where as you get different upgrades you'll have to go back into these other people that are possessed by these different demons um and you know to unlock more stuff and more power upgrades and things like that so um pretty cool and the last one i will talk about is another game from the same i believe it's coming under the same publishing company but it's called Sclash. and if you are yes Sclash. um and if you are a fan of games like nidhogg or joust this one will be right oh, up your okay. alley this one it's just s-c-l-a-s-h if you're looking it up um but yes it is basically nidhogg meets joust with samurais um and you have i I googled this and i I spelled it wrong and it just gave me google's results for dr ron sclash cardiologist you should probably see him that's 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 google telling you that shout shout out to dr ron sclash (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's one hit kills just like you expect in nidhogg slash joust um i believe joust was one hit kills right I don't remember it's been so long it's an older game but anyways but yeah so like you have you have like you can um charge your attacks doesn't do any more damage because it's one hit kills anyways but it can help with like delaying your attack you can parry you can dash back and forth um a lot of fun um highly recommend that one as well it's got too much graphics nidhogg only has one and a half colors and that's the way games should be got five graphics. pixels five pixels to nidhogg God, i love nidhogg i want to play more of that <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, I think I'm, I'm sure there, I, I played so many games, have a nice death, five nights at Freddy, risk of rain, uh, league of legends, mage seeker, um, played so many Omega strikers, so many great games at GDC. There's lots of good stuff. Um, not necessarily from the AAA. So if you out there have a, like, you know, you're like looking for something to play until star Wars comes out at the end of the month. Yeah. Saga of sins is actually out now. So that's, yep. that's cool. I, and again, you know, it's nice to cover this kind of stuff because these, these games typically don't really have much in the way of a marketing budget. And you know, we get some cool, you know, weird little, weird little indies in there. I love me some indies. Yeah. Um, Brian, Akeem, is anything you guys are playing you want to talk about? No, no. Nope. Going back to Resident Evil 4. I mean, okay. yeah, yeah. I just, I just got into no, no man's sky because of, because of, uh, you two, uh, Jada max, um, got that for the PSVR too. Um, 
I <laughs> I What's chose the VR experience like it's it's a so so this is the thing I never played No Man's Sky I kind of just like you know that game I missed that game um it's it's amazing it's phenomenal it was it was I'm glad you all recommended it I chose the uh I believe it was the narrative was it narrative or the creative mode I chose the creative mode so mm. I had no idea that it just kind of just drops you on a planet and you just mm-hmm. got to you got to figure stuff out I had no idea what I was getting myself into uh, I, I recorded myself playing too uh, with with audio, and there's a lot of swearing going on because I, I was on <laughs> I was on this cold planet. I was like, "What am I supposed to do?" It's telling me like code damage detected. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. This <laughs> is this is confusing to me. And then I, I found my spaceship and I flew off to um, a hot this, planet. Like, he just said the well, PlayStation world, right? Cold and hot. Well, I maybe it might be. It was a, it was a pretty hot planet, as in like sexy because it looked like the Death Star. <laughs> Um, and so okay. I met I met other players there and, and they helped me. Yeah, it's hot. I means sexy, right? Yeah, that's what Will Smith always says. But anyway, I'm playing sexy. this. I'm confused. Heck yeah. <laughs> Is it not? Just, just like Look. the power of that laser. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's got sexy. little hole that you Imperial. fly into. All the way. All the beautiful men working on there, like Tarkin. <laughs> <laughs> so No Man's no, Sky, this is a game. That... It's 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 beautiful. It's it's fully immersive. You know, you you land on these uh these planets uh and you can you can befriend like those those weird looking creatures, not maybe not those ones, uh the ones that we're looking at now on the screen. Um and they can they can follow you as companions. Um it's and I just love that there is there's a community in, in yeah. this game you know I'm, I'm i was i landed in this in this spot where we were just looking at the death star uh area and i i was talking to myself trying to figure out what the hell do i need to do i didn't know that other players could talk to you they're like hey i don't know what to do either oh, oh cool <laughs> wait so, so like, let's you get... actually ran into other people like while yeah. you're playing it oh that's cool right. I, yeah. I remember yeah. like i remember like when it first dropped and like hey it was like a disaster at the first launch and they they have rebuilt it as time has progressed but like people were like like do we how do we find other people like it's multiplayer yeah. but well, like, like there's like, so yeah. many planets you'll never, never run it. yeah and people found the same planet and they weren't on it and they were like what, what gives and then uh yeah people were mad at that game but yeah no akeem you were you were getting the best possible experience for this yes. where like they've spent so much time just working on this game and like you know big big capital f word over the response this got when it launched because mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. really embarrassing and gross but uh it's cool to see that uh you know hello games has like kept at it and just kept building on this game and obviously like the money they've made from it they've put back into it and yeah i will say this though over, yeah i will say this uh they, they still have a little bit of work to do because the the game actually crashed on me like three times uh mm. while while i was oh, playing interesting so yeah was that I'm, I'm, the game crashing or are you crashing while piloting your ship oh no, no i never crashed <laughs> i never crashed jade i know what i'm doing in that in yeah that, i know that they're in uh, that cockpit they're still tweaking the psvr2 stuff i saw yeah, i right. saw some people kind of complaining about that but again like at this point if they're like we're working on it i think you can kind of trust them at yeah that, you absolutely know? uh we've had plenty to talk about today this was a ton of fun uh all of you thank you for joining me and talk about resident evil 4 the game that has the merchant, the best character in video games ever. Lies. And Lies. that's all the Lies. time we have for. So thank you all for joining us. And thank you to Capcom for creating the merchant, the best the character Duke. in the fiction, Duke is period. The biggest Several guy thank you and for the greatest and guy. Beyond. Both great merchants. We this can hide. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons and Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. 
If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out the Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Get inspired while learning all about the unique planes of existence. Get the in-depth knowledge you need to help your combat encounters feel impactful, or learn about the origins and pantheons of every race and class the game offers. No stone is left unturned as every edition of the game is explored and explained in a way that benefits players of all different levels of experience. You can expand your TTRPG horizons in a way that's as entertaining as it is educational just by listening. All you have to do is go to your favorite podcast app or YouTube and search for The Dungeon Cast.